past few years, we've heard the term free agents and been told we would all need to become one in order to succeed. The recent economic structures have helped to promote this concept as reality. Where do we get the tools to take control of our career path in the present and future? Welcome to The Career Confidant with your host, Marie Zimanoff. Marie and her guest experts are here to provide you with the tools you need to move forward and achieve your career goals. Now, here is Marie Zimanoff. Welcome to The Career Confidant. This is Marie Zimanoff, and we're excited to have you here today. And you will be excited to be here today if you're listening because you're in for a treat. We have a guest today, Carla Bass, who is the author of Right to Influence. And it's so funny that this is our topic today because just on our way home from Thanksgiving dinner, um, one of my family members was talking about how they have to write their performance review. And Right to Influence and Carla Bass, that is her area of expertise to help us be more comfortable and professional in speaking about ourselves. So thank you for joining us here today, Carla. Oh, thank you for the opportunity. I'm, I'm delighted at this. Thank you. Yes, and you come from a very maybe high-profile background of having to write with influence as you've been in the Air Force writing for Congress, White House, ambassadors, and generals. So you're not just um, talking about these things. You've actually lived it. Oh, exactly. From my, uh, from my earliest days as a, uh, as a first lieutenant, I was writing the daily briefings and delivering them to the director of the National Security Agency. So from, from my earliest times in my 30-year career, um, I've, I've written for customers or clients where every single word counted and every single second was valuable. And, and that's what the essence of my writing methodology teaches people how to do. Excellent. So one of the things that comes up, as you said, this time of year is that people are, one, either required to write something for their own performance review, two, required to write something for maybe a colleague's performance review, or three, starting to think about updating their own resume or LinkedIn profile. Hopefully, people are doing that at least once a year, thinking about updating those documents so that they're updated should something happen or something come up. And when these opportunities present themselves, people's first reaction is usually that they don't want to brag. How do you help people get over that mental uh, block? First of all, Oh, yes. It, uh, first of all, um, I suggest that they pretend that they're writing about somebody else. Pretend that the story that you are about to tell is of a subordinate who you would really like to see get promoted or a talented colleague. Don't, I mean, imagine you're not writing about yourself. Put that on somebody else and then tell the story. That's, that's my first recommendation. Second recommendation is nobody is going to take care of you except you. So if, if, you have, um, if you have some wonderful accomplishments or achievements, step up and own them. They're yours, and you should, you should take pride and, uh, and claim credit for them. Um, the other thing I suggest is, is just be factual. Um, uh, be objective and be factual and catch the details. So let me, let me run a, quick, a couple more quick tips by you. Um, the, the other thing I suggest is everyone should keep a I call it a job diary. Some organizations have uh, a product called a weekly activity report. If, if your organization does, contribute to it and then keep those records 
in your own personal file because that will help you look back over the previous uh, months and maybe perhaps a year and, and you will have already documented what you've done instead of at that crunch point having to look back with an absence of information and wonder, oh my God, what the heck did I do six months ago? So, so keep that job diary. Uh, another thing you can do to help gather the fodder is is pretend you're an, an investigative reporter. Look back at what you've done and did you save resources? How much? Did you work a significant product? What was it? Uh, what was the impact? Always emphasize the so what. What exactly was your value added? And the, the story I tell on that one is when I was a second lieutenant, I had to brief a four-star general, which was, uh, that was just like God to a second lieutenant. So I came back to my boss and I said, I did it. I briefed him. And my boss drummed into me. So what was the result? Well, I briefed him. I survived it. What was the impact? Oh, we got an extra $2 million for the project. So... So whatever you whatever you write on yourself, always go for the impact. What was the, what what difference did you make and quantify it? Yeah, people um, always miss that piece, right? And two million dollars. Oh, that's just a very small impact. <laughs> and details. I'm going to hit that one now too, so I don't I don't miss it. Details make a tremendous difference at this point because. Details give the, the reader a mental yardstick on what you're trying to convey. So you could say, uh, let, a, let a, a team who studied an aging logistics system made recommendations to the boss, period. That, that sounds great, but if you say, let a six-person team on a five-week study made six recommendations to the CEO who accepted all of them, saved the country, uh, the company $850,000. You see the difference those details make? So, so capture, capture the details as you're trying to, um, as you're trying to uh, capture what it is that you've, what you've done for the year. Yeah, and you can always decide what details to not include later, but if you don't have them down, you'll forget. Yep, and, and that, that's actually leading into another, another one of my tips. After you've gathered all this information, then you need to triage it because your annual report is usually space-constrained. And so you have to determine of all of these stories, which ones are the most important. And you decide that based on the, the depth of the impact. Did you... You know, what, what happened as a result? How many people were affected? Uh, did your accomplishment involve other divisions? Did it go outside of the company? You know, drop the pebble in the pond? How many ripples did that particular accomplishment have? And those are the ones that you want to feature in your, in your performance review. Um, and as you're doing this triage, uh, don't bury the golden nugget is another, is another uh, tip that put the most important, most impactful items up first because the folks who are reviewing performance reports um, are usually, they're, they're space-constrained also. So if, if they're only going to read your report for maybe 45 seconds, you want to make sure that you've got the most important things listed at the top and not buried in the middle and certainly not down at the bottom. Yeah, so how do people... Um you said to make sure that they scope the detail. Uh, how do they decide what details to include and what details to leave out? Well, it kind of, it kind of depends on the story. Um, uh, here, here's another example. Developed 
developed orientation handbooks ease the onboarding for newly assigned personnel. All right, that, that sounds fine, but it sounds much more impactful when you said uh, develop three orientation handbooks over 80 pages each, ease the onboarding for 120 newly assigned personnel. So you, you just have to, you, you, just, you kind of have to feel that one out. Okay, so maybe looking at the scope, scope might include some details that are important, and maybe also thinking about what relates to what they want to do next. So they might include more details that are related to a higher level position or a different scoped position if that's where they're headed, and and maybe not dive so deep into the minutiae of details that keep them stuck where they are. Right. There's strategy involved in this. So if, for example, uh, part of your time you were an administrative assistant, and God bless administrative assistants, we we couldn't do our jobs without them. But if you're aspiring towards a higher position, you would minimize the spotlight on that and emphasize other things that you've done, so, so precisely what you just mentioned. Uh, another thing that, uh, that you should keep track of are any accolades, any kudos, uh, letters of recommendation, compliments from clients. I personally keep an email file for myself uh, that when I get, uh, when I get compliments, I, I throw them in the email file and so, say I still work for the federal government. I'm a contractor. So, so when I get compliments, I, I stash them away when it's time for my own annual appraisal. I pull them out, and if if a compliment is um, is originated by someone of, of seniority, then you can actually include a quote from that as part of your um, part of your uh, your resume or your input for your your personal appraisal. Um, the the CEO or the division chief commented, comma and then throw that compliment in there, you know, as long as it's not too cumbersome or lengthy. But, but quotes from senior people also make for very valuable fodder for, um, for input for this product. Right. Uh, another hint is the idea is to stand out from the crowd. So I suggest using what I call subliminal words. Now, let me explain that. It's words such as chosen, selected, nominated for, in a competitive process, um, uh, in only X amount of time, those little words, in only, all by themselves, raise it to, so the reader understands that if you did this in only three months, in only elevates the significance. It's like a little mini bell ringer. So th- those are words that you can use to kind of send subtle messages that, that you will have done something that has caused you to stand out from the crowd. Yeah, um, excellent. Uh, uh, resumes, res- uh, no, I'm sorry, not resumes, performance reviews. If you consider them, they actually are, they consist of three pieces. The first piece is the hook. The second piece is the body. And the third piece is the conclusion. So what you want to do is, is thinking like a boxer with the, the first hit, strong right cross uh, right blow across the jaw of the reader to get the attention. That would be the hook, such as uh, tireless efforts this year resulted in, or the top three of many significant achievements, uh, uh, 
personifies innovative leadership. And if you have the fodder, if you have the accomplishments to back up those words, don't be bashful because no one's going to take care of you but you. So those are the hooks. And after you've got the reader's attention, now you give the left cross across the jaw, and these are the powerful verbs, directed, executed, launched, broke new ground, authored a claimed book, uh, expertly arranged, set new benchmarks, verbs that are just, by the time the reader is done, they're panting with exhaustion at all of the wonderful work that you've done. And then that third piece of the, the performance review is leave the reader wanting more. It's, it's a wrap-up conclusion. So a uh, talented officer doing a tough job exceptionally well, uh, proactive can do, attitude is contagious, finds ways to do a tough job better, just a few words that summarize what it is that you're trying to convey. Excellent. Well, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll dive into a little bit more specifics on the performance review process and how you can write for yourself to be more influential and help get where you want to get in your career. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. You hear about it all the time. Compromises, destructive malware, major breaches. You can't turn on the news without hearing about the latest cyber event. Learn more about cybersecurity, how it has become one of the most significant threats to our national security, and the battle experts undergo every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Task Force 7 Radio with host George Redis is the voice of cybersecurity around the world. Tune in live every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on The Voice of America Business Channel. Tired of the get rich quick or how to flip home shows? Are you ready to step up your game and invest in commercial real estate? James Nelson, a top New York City broker, will show you step-by-step how to acquire, operate, and profit. You'll also hear from real estate legends on how they made their fortunes and industry experts on strategies for success. Tune into Real Estate Investing, live from New York, on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Business. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. 
If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. Today we're talking with Carla Bates about how to write to influence. And we've been talking about gathering some information and writing your own performance review. And of course, in this process, usually your space is limited. Maybe you've got a a number of characters. And so, Carla, you were just talking about how those words are, are so important and the order that you choose to share them in. Exactly. So the the prevailing philosophy of my writing methodology is if if you can right now imagine a, a white rectangle, maybe f- five inches wide and an inch tall. Um, the point behind this this white rectangle is that every writer is con- fact or fiction is constrained by two things. You're constrained by time. Knock knock. The reader is busy. So uh, you've got X number of seconds to catch and keep the attention, but you're also constrained by space, whether it's uh, a thousand spaces to tell your story or, 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 or a uh, demarcated area on a government form you're very, or, or the above the fold on a web page. Space is, is critical. So now superimposing that white rectangle, the, the word opportunity, because that's what, it, that's what it stands for. So the idea is to make every single word count and every second of the reader's time play to your advantage. And so the second part of my book is where I have uh, what I term word sculpting techniques. Uh, there are 10 tools that, that show you how to trim down uh, the text so that it's hard-hitting and impactful. So uh, let me share just a couple, a couple quick ones. Uh, one is called Don't Hog Space. So, for example, at the same time equals simultaneous. Uh, in the aftermath of equals after. On at least one occasion equals at least once. So the first thing you do is go through your draft and and look for words that hog space and and trim them down, sculpt them down so that you've bought yourself more space for your your powerful story. Verbs is another area that people, oh my goodness, if you can imagine a hard-boiled egg and focus on the yolk, the yolk is the verb that you should strive to obtain. The white is all this bureaucratic bladder that corporate writing, business writing, government writing currently smothers the verbs in. So, for example, reduce the amount of time equals expedite. Demonstrate the validity equals validate. Conduct oversight is oversee. Provide warning is warn. So the second thing you look for in your in your in your draft as you're revising it are those words that hog space and sloppy verbs. Um, useless words is another one of my word sculpting tools, um, and one of the words that uh, provide with. Provide takes, it, uh, I'm going to get grammatical on you, but provide is an action verb. It takes a direct object. You never, 100% of the time, never have to say with. Provide opportunity, provide ice cream, provide a book. You never have to say with. And so those are six very valuable spaces when you're writing in a spaced, constrained situation. 
So those are, those are just three examples of my 10 word sculpting tools that will help you save space and, uh, and that gives you more opportunity to keep making the case on why you deserve those job opportunities. Yeah, and that comes to the next point, which is all about promotion. So when we're writing our reviews, how can that be used in the process towards a promotion, or what can we do to make sure that it helps us in that process? Well, the, the, first, the first tip I'm going to give sounds intuitively obvious, but I'm going to say it anyway because, because it's often not practiced. If you're wanting to stand out from the crowd, which is what the whole name of the game is, you must do your job well. Seriously, not just enough to get by, but you need to, to earn the reputation for quality. That anything that you submit up the chain, if you've written it, nobody has to give it a real close look because you've, done, you've earned the reputation that your signature is golden. You have to strive for that goal. Uh, the next tip for how to get promoted is get recognition. How do you do that? Volunteer to chair projects because, one, that gives you leadership experience. Two, it gives you a chance to demonstrate the leadership skills you've already obtained. And three, it gets you visibility. Four, it also shows your, uh, demonstrates your initiative. Um, another hint is if you have subordinates, if you're a boss, and, and the subordinates are worthy, submit them for awards because that demonstrates leadership skills. And here's something that people often don't think to do. If you're a boss and you submit your people for awards, claim credit for that. So when you're submitting your own performance uh, input, submit, say, submitted four people for awards and, and say what the impact was. Did they, did they get them? And even if they didn't win, the fact that you took the time and effort to submit your folks for awards says volumes about you. And, and segueing off that is if you have the, the um, relationship with your boss and the fodder, Submit yourself for an award. Perhaps he, I mean, he, 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 might, he might support that, and the individual might be so busy in his or her own right that he didn't have a chance to even consider submitting you. So, uh, again, sometimes bashfulness is an impediment and, and uh, you know, kind of harms your own career progression. And the last thought is think around the corner with empathy. Always think about what your boss is going to do. Is, is he or she going to a meeting? Is there any material that you can on your own initiative provide to that person to help them prepare for the meeting? Who are, going to be, uh, who are the attendees at the meeting? What was the office's uh, previous position on issues that are going to be discussed? Just put yourself in, in that individual's position and what would you need and then provide it. Yeah, yeah. And thinking about the other person, as you had started out the show with, you know, when you're writing your own review, think that it's not you, but it's one of your subordinates. Um, How would you advocate for them and advocate for yourself the same way based in fact, and yet still making sure that you're telling the stories that need to be told. So yeah, to to think about the other person um, when you're doing your communication is always the first key, right? Think about what that other person needs to know to do their job. And their job, of course, is to help you grow or to put you in a position where you can be the most successful. The cardinal rule in all communication, from email all the way up to notices to Congress, is know your audience. And one of my five principles is write with empathy. So whatever it is that you're writing, put yourself in the 
recipient's shoes and write it from that perspective. What do they know about the subject? What do they need to know from you? Make sure you speak in a language they understand. Don't write, don't, don't, uh, write too complicated using, um, uh, you know, bureau, not bureaucratic language, using technical terms that they won't understand. If it is a technical audience, don't write down to them using jargon that a kindergartner would get. So you have to write the appropriate language to the appropriate level. Um, but, but always look at and And then the other thing you need to think of is what is it that you want to gain from them? Why are you writing to them, and what's your goal in this communication? So um, when, when I teach my workshops, I, I tell people, think in terms of an inverted triangle as you're writing anything. The, the thing you begin with are all the strategies in part one of the book that teaches you how, how do you strategize your communication. What are you trying to do? Uh, outline it to, to make sure that, that you've uh, covered all these points. That's the, the top part of the, the triangle. And after you've got that first draft, that's when you go for the revision and the bottom part of that inverted triangle are all the word sculpting techniques. So you've, you've taken your, your strategized, hard-hitting message filled with details that's going to make the reader just tear up and say, yep, you're right, you get the job, you get the promotion. And then you refine it so that every single word carries its own weight and there's not a wasted space in that. So the inverted triangle um, and then writing from the the recipient's perspective. Those are all super easy to do. You just have to be aware of those strategies. Yeah, that's great feedback. And as we're thinking about the reader and what they want to know, then we can use that as we make decisions about what to cut out and what to include. And as you said, even in the performance review, there is strategy. You're thinking forward, not just backwards, to decide what you include in that. Mm-hmm. And, and all of this also applies for going in for job interviews. When you're preparing your answers to questions? Yep. So if, if, you, if you do this correctly, you will have strategized your part of the conversation before you even walk into the, uh, to the interviewer, interviewer's office. So, so to, 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 to play this smart, um, already have in your hip pocket three short messages that you want to somehow infuse into the conversation, um, uh, whether it's uh, uh, previous accomplishments or, you know, a lot of this depends on what your skills are and what the job is, but the point is pre-think, have, have these, these thoughts already um, identified. And then the other thing that you should have in your hip pocket is when you depart the interview, what is the one echo that you want reverberating in your wake as you walk out the doorway? one message and make sure that that's what you leave behind. All of this is, is already pre-thought. It's, I, I call this strategize your way to success. Uh, with a little bit of forethought and strategy, you can really uh, make a huge impression. And then uh, following up on that is the thank you note. So many people don't send a thank you note to those who helped arrange the interview. And, and that's a gigantic lost opportunity if you don't, if you don't send a thank you note. Um, there, there are some HR reports out there. I think it's 50% or higher of interviewees do not send a thank you note. So 
automatically by sending one, you have catapulted yourself ahead of the crowd, which, again, is what the objective is. And that also gives you, not only is it a nice thing to do, but it's a silver platter because in that thank you note, you've got one more opportunity to make one or two more key points. And, uh, and that has an impact when it comes to the, um, the deliberation process. Yeah, you're right. The interview is so so fast and furious that if you don't think about what it is that that message that you want to come across at the end, and then also in your thank you note, um, it can kind of reverberate that without being overly. I don't really like long thank you notes. I think thank you notes that are short are are nice for most people because they don't need you to rehash the whole interview. Um, no, just. One or two key points, and that's all. And then people would ask me, okay, Carla, do you recommend email, handwritten, or a typed letter? And and I actually, believe it or not, recommend a combination of all three. That I I do not suggest a plain old email because that's just another email in a queue. Uh, Handwritten note is nice, but there's not so much information you can get into a handwritten note. Blending all three, uh, the, the formal typed note or letter on on good quality stationery shows your your business etiquette it shows uh your your savoir faire your your elegance uh, it gives you a little bit more space to make those critical points and if you add just a personal handwritten note in in the corner that adds that personal touch and so that's why i say use the Use the, um, the, the, the letter with a handwritten note and email the individual saying that I have just sent you, uh, a thank you note so that the, so that they're aware that there's something that's actually coming through the postal system. That's such a great tip, the combination of all three. So, Carla, we enjoyed having you on the show today. Tell people how they can find the book and how they can stay connected to you. Oh, I thank you. The book is called Right to Influence. My website is www.righttoinfluence.net, N-E-T. The book is online at at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all those wonderful online retailers. Look for the second edition, which came out about two months ago. It has new chapters on on, uh, uh, writing the essay for college applications, on writing submissions for grants, elevator speeches, all the material that I had developed for the workshops that I've taught for the last two years. I cranked into the second edition, and it's getting rave reviews. And I thank you so much, again, for having an opportunity to share all this with your your listeners. My, My goal is not to sell books. My goal is to help people help themselves. Yeah, well, thank you so much for sharing your tips. And if you're listening, we're going to say goodbye to Carla. But when we come back, I'm going to go through a few more tips on how to cut down on your wordage so that you can get more power punched into those performance reviews and also how you can write performance reviews for your colleagues if you are required to do that as part of a 360 process. So thank you, Carla. But we'll be right back here on The Career Confidant. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network 
you know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. Today we're talking with Carl Bass about performance reviews. And <laughs> the pain that people go through when someone asks you to write your own performance review, which I know a lot of companies do that, where, you know, your boss is going to review it. Maybe they're going to write their own feedback. And perhaps you'll even get feedback from your colleagues, which we'll talk about in just a minute. But part of this process is that you have to write your own. The good part about this, especially if you're doing it once a year or once every six months, is that if you put a little bit of effort into it, it's a great resource for you to have when you need to go and write your resume. And, you know, reality sets in to most of us at some point that you are not in your job forever. There will be a point where your company will shift and you will have to make a move, or there'll be an opportunity that presents itself that you want to take advantage of, and you will need to have specific stories to tell about what you've done in an interview, in a resume, in your LinkedIn profile, to be able to connect the dots and prove that you have these skill sets that the employers are looking for, either for a new job or for a promotion. And to be able to do that, you have to have these specific stories. Well, I shouldn't say that. You can try and do it without the specific stories. But what ends up happening is a bunch of generic overarching statements 
that don't sound real. They don't sound credible. You ever read something and you think, did that person really do that? Because it doesn't sound specific. It doesn't sound true. It just sounds like they said, oh yeah, I do that sometimes and made up a generality about it. We don't want your statements to sound like that. It's going to be more challenging to get an interview for a job. It's going to be more challenging to get that promotion when you don't have concrete proof. And by the way, when you feel like you're bragging or when you're worried about feeling like you're bragging, most of the time, specific factual stories are what helps diminish that feeling while still communicating the information that you need to communicate. Because if you just stick to the facts about what happened, what was the problem, what was the, the project that was set out in front of you, what were the metrics that were going to be measured, and then what were the actions that you took, and then what were the results? You know, easy if you think about the metrics up front. What what was the project set out for? What were we trying to achieve? What were my measurements going to be at the beginning? And then at the end, think about what, how did we know we hit that? What were the measurements? How were we measured? What were the, you know, KPIs, whatever it is that your company uses? They typically are measuring something there at the end. Your job is to collect the story, to collect the details, so that when you go to tell the story, you can stick to the facts and still have a powerful story. And as Carla was saying, it's those details that really help make the story sound credible and impressive because they are specific. You can't make them up. Well, you can, but you most likely get caught and people don't have enough creativity to do that, right? So when you've really thought about tracking those down and keeping them while you're going, it's so much easier to tell the stories when you need to tell the stories. Nothing worse than having to go back and try to recreate and or dig that out or have to ask former coworkers uh, to go through and find all of that information. So what are some ways to make this process less painless? First, collect the stories, collect the facts, have the details so that you can tell a story that's factual and yet still impressive. Then it doesn't have to be bragging because it simply is the facts of this is what we were doing, this is what I did, this was my role, and this was the result. Second thing, and Carla touched on this, is to collect your testimonials or recommendations and or just feedback from people that you work with. Keep some kind of an email file. I call mine funnies and fuzzies. So when people send me something that's funny in my email or they send me those nice words back about how I added value to their career or to their business, I keep those in in an email folder so that I can go back later and use those in recommendations and in testimonials or just go back and look at when I'm having a bad day. They also give you some language that you can use about yourself um, that you could use as part of the testimonial or you could use in a different way. You get some of those descriptors that you might want to use. So capture those, keep them somewhere so that you have them and you can use them appropriately as you go along in in your career. It might be something that you could use a part of it in your performance review 
or in a resume or a profile. And it may just be, again, language descriptors that people say about you. So then you feel more credible using that word to describe yourself, which leads me to our third area, which is reduce your descriptors, reduce your superlatives, your adjectives. Usually those are the things that make us feel like we're bragging. And guess what? The reader doesn't like them either. Stick to the facts, stick to the verbs, the scope, the details, the results. When you eliminate the adjectives, eliminate the kind of wind-ups and build-ups, it saves you space, and that may be important in a review. And it also makes it more comfortable for you to write and for your reader to read. Nobody likes to call themselves a bunch of flowery words, and no one really likes to read those flowery words about other people. So stick to descriptors that are unique to you, meaning that they're, you know, things people have said about you, your strengths that you feel like are are common threads, minimize those and really focus on the results, the specific examples. And Carla talked about the hook and the body and the kind of ending of your performance reviews and the hook can be one great accomplishment and you lead with that accomplishment a short version of it and then you tell the story so this is a tool in storytelling is instead of leading with the whole you know this is what was going on and here's the situation you lead with the middle of the story And then you back people into the story. And you can use that technique in your performance reviews by leading with the result, achieved 100% quota, which, you know, kind of a lame result, but that could be an example. And then you've got the story and the story builds into that result. So try that. If you've got a great story, frame it first as kind of the challenge action result, then find the hook. Where's the the context and or the result that makes the story really interesting? Lead with that and then tell the story to back the the reader into it. You got to be short, stick to the facts, choose your detail based on what really matters for your current job, but also where you're going, what you want people to know about you, what you want people to see you as in the future, not just today. Oftentimes we get too focused in our performance reviews and documenting just what we've done without thinking about the language and the things that we choose to tell and how they paint the picture of who we are in the future. If you felt like you're being pigeonholed in your current role, look at how you might take language to change that for yourself. So look at your language and how you describe yourself, how you talk about yourself, how you tell your stories, and make sure that language starts to incorporate the future of where you want to go, not just the current state of where you are. You can take a role in molding how people see you for the future. So for instance, if you're an engineer, but you want people to see you as more of a marketer or a manager, start telling stories that demonstrate those skills even though they're in your current role. You have you have a chance to shape this, especially if you're being given the opportunity to write your own review. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, talk about how you can write reviews for your colleagues that are meaningful and demonstrate 
you're actually paying attention and putting in some effort to help your fellow colleagues out. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career you can have the foresight skills and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities a strategic advantage and career expert marie Simonoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused get found and get hired Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. Today we've been talking about performance reviews and how you can use the performance review to your advantage. You've been given this opportunity and it's a challenge perhaps to think about how you're going to write about yourself, what you want to say, to take the opportunity seriously because it does provide a permanent record, if you will, for you to use in your career write your resume, your LinkedIn profile, and your future interviews, and in your career, in your current company. They're going to use that to decide if you move up, if you get a raise. Those performance reviews, um, hopefully it's been communicated how they're used in your company. If you don't know, ask, find out. Perhaps that will provide you some direction, some context, and maybe a little bit of motivation to put some extra time into this activity that can seem daunting, 
or perhaps unimportant. So the other piece of the annual review process, or some companies do this biannually. Uh, I know a few that do it quarterly, but I'm not sure they're going to do it that way for very long because it's an intensive process, is to write reviews for your peers and perhaps even your manager. This can be a challenge because most of the time you are asked to provide strengths and then weaknesses or area of improvement or whatever fancy term HR has come up with for it, but it's weaknesses. And you gotta fill in both blanks, right? You look like you're not trying. So here are some ideas, some tips for doing that. Strengths, focus on what the person does well. What are they good at? What do you see them do well? What do you hear from other people that they do well? Hopefully this is easy. This is something that you can also keep notes on as you interact with them. If you don't get to interact with people very often, make a point to consider these things as you're interacting with them. Bonus is that it's not just for your review, but when you are trying to focus on what somebody does well and and you reflect it back to them especially, it builds your relationship and it helps you think about the, the value that they bring to the team, which in tough times can be really helpful, right? So think about that. If you interact with somebody on email or watch their presentations or whatever it might be, find those places where you think they're responsive. And when we can focus on kind of qualities that are important This is somewhat coming from a parenting technique. You don't want to just say, oh, you did a great job sending in that report. Kind of meaningless feedback, right? You were responsive. You were thorough. And if you can back it up with an example, it's even better. But you want to reflect some, some kind of meaningful feedback to that person. Why did what they do have value to you, to the clients, to the customers, to the team? whatever it is. So you're thinking about not just what did they do well, but how did that add value? What was the value that that brought to others? And that's what makes it not so hollow. That positive feedback can feel really hollow. Everybody gets a trophy, right? But that's not good feedback. Good feedback is really focusing on the person's person, their person and how their humanity adds value to the team. And that's the level of feedback that you're looking for to give to others because it's so much more powerful and they're going to think that you're so thoughtful um, when you give your feedback that way. So using a tool like the Strengths Finder, you don't have to have people take the assessment to give feedback this way. You can take it yourself, I would recommend it, or any other kind of strengths assessment. You can take values in action, character strengths. You can even use things like the DISC that you might take at the office, or perhaps the Myers-Briggs. Definitely Strengths Finder. Um, they just came out with a new online version. You can get the book. But when you look at the strengths and you look at all the strengths that are listed, I do something where they give you all the ones that are listed, not just your top five, so that you can think about other people in that way. What are their strengths? Are they uh, a good communicator? And how does that show up if you're a DISC person? you You have that framework. If you're into strengths, do that. If you've never done any of them, I'd recommend strengths. It's one of the easiest 
but think about how you can give people feedback in a in a deeper more connected way rather than just focused on tasks how did the task add value that's one good level but to even look at what about them makes them good at that task and then how does that add value not just to the task but in most everything that they do that deeper level of feedback is so rare it will make you stand out in a good way to your peers. Then on the weakness side, you can take a few different avenues. So one of the things that people usually hate about strengths is that they think, oh, it's about ignoring your weaknesses. That is not the case. A strengths-based approach is, a, is about looking at how you can use your strengths to be better at the things you need to be good at. So if you have someone that is not good at something they need to be good at on your team, think about their strengths and how their strengths could help them be better at that thing. Then you can give some kind of feedback that says, I've noticed that when you do presentations, you tend to apologize a lot. Using your strength and connectedness I'd encourage you, and you wouldn't probably use that word. That's the strengths finder word. So using your strength at really engaging with people, you're so engaging and able to really understand what people need. I'd encourage you during your presentations to connect and ask people what they need instead of apologizing for not giving them what they need before you've even, even before they've even told you that you're you know, I, I feel like you're assuming that you're that we're not getting what we need. So that's one way you could give feedback. You have to massage it a little bit. But thinking about what is the negative feedback that you'd like to give this person, and then how can you help them see that they actually have a strength that would help them be better at it? You may not always be able to make the connection, but most of the time you can. Another way to give some cr- constructive feedback is a process that four four parts situation so describing the situation so when you give presentations then their action you tend to apologize a lot then the impact the impact of this is that i don't feel like our colleagues see you as as credible as you are or see your expertise as much as they could that's the impact on the on the team or even on their own career. And then some kind of a recommendation. You might practice removing your apologies and see how it feels. Or I'd be happy to run through a presentation practice with you sometime if that would help you feel more comfortable before you had to present. Um, it depends on the feedback mechanism and all of those things, whether or not that kind of recommendation is part of the process. You could also recommend a class, recommend an article. You know, here's an article I read because I struggle with this too, and and maybe it would be helpful for you as it is for me. That's always another great feedback mechanism is to say, hey, we're in the same boat. Here's something that I've used to help me improve on this. So situation, action, impact, and then some kind of resource or recommendation. Give some kind of feedback that makes it seem like you are paying attention, that helps you look better, it helps your it helps your colleague look better, and it hopefully also helps them excel in their career. 
So thank you for joining us to talk about our performance reviews. If you're doing those this end of year season, hopefully that helps you. And we'll look forward to seeing you right back here again next week on The Career Confidant. We have another great guest who is going to talk about more tools and resources that you can use to take control of your own career. We'll see you next week on The Career Confidant. Thank you for listening to The Career Confidant. Marie Zimanoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then. 